1: Thanks for joining us. We are recording this in November of 2021. And
0: welcome to episode 59, Learning About Teaching Without the Textbook.
1: First, we want to give a shout out to one of our listeners, Martha Barrett, who put on Twitter, finally got some time to listen to this podcast. Love the topic. That was the one with the equal sign. And the shout out to Mount Holyoke Math Cohort 8, Great job, super teacher 524. And she's referring to our friend Karina. Other Karina. (laughs) Yeah. My reflection for this week is that it was actually today I got to teach some fourth graders how to play Dottie Six, which it was so great because as I'm drawing the tic-tac-toe board and I'm explaining it, Mm -hmm. one person from each class said something like, oh, it's like tic-tac-toe but harder. Or it's like tic-tac-toe or more challenging. And I was like, absolutely. And I also got to play How Close to 100. I got to teach two classes how to play that one, which is fabulous for learning your facts for area too. Like just amazing. And Karina, what's your good news for this week?
0: I'm excited to share that for the first time since... March thirteenth, twenty twenty. Wait, I think kids. we need to
1: drum roll. Wait,
0: <laughs> go ahead. Kids, kids in my school building in my school building are back in groups, Woo-hoo! table groups. So desks are pushed together, and kids are uh, back in groups. And let me tell you, when they walked in this morning, they were like, they did a double take, like, what, <laughs> what what's happening in here? Why are there no rows and columns? And I said, doesn't it look great? And they're like, why am I sitting with this person? Why am I sitting with this? (laughs) But it was, I'm like, listen, just, just sit down. (laughs) Just enjoy this. Don't again! Don't, <laughs> don't ruin my thunder. Uh, but no, it was great. It was wonderful. We had we had a good day. It was it was a little chaotic. I'm not going to lie. But again, they haven't done this in in a, almost a year and a half. So of course, there's going to be some behaviors.
1: There's going to be some little tweaks
0: that we have to make. But we'll get there.
1: I am so happy to hear that. That sounds yes. amazing. And the rest of your year is just gonna be so smooth, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> we'll, we'll, we'll see about that, but <laughs> they get to learn how to be students again. Yes. Right. Yes.
0: So that that I'm really excited about. I'm excited about them collaborating, uh, turning and talking more, just the discourse, right, of what happens every day in our
1: classroom. So I'm I'm super, super stoked about it. That's awesome. Well, listeners, we have our fifth guest that has joined us she is going to be talking about teaching without the textbook and it's our friend chris servan from california Woo woo! Woo-hoo, woo-hoo. i have to tell all the listeners chris you were the first person to give us our shout out yes on yes. our first review on apple podcasts yes and now we've seen you in both of our book clubs Yep. and I just can't wait to have this conversation. So go ahead and tell the listeners anything you want them to know about yourself.
2: Okay, I will. But first, I have to say how grateful I am for your podcast. Honestly, your podcast and COVID sort of go together because that's <laughs> like when it when I started listening. Wasn't it kind of at the beginning of COVID? It, yeah,
1: it was. We started it yeah. in the summer of COVID. Yes, right.
2: And I was walking my dog a lot more than I normally <laughs> walk my dog, and so I was you know, perusing through podcasts. And lo and behold, I'm like, oh, learning through math sounds really cool. And I literally remember, I remember the first few and I was like, oh my gosh, I remember trying to like picture you guys. And I'm like, seriously, I do remember this. And it was, it seems like a long time ago now because now, now like you're my pals and we know each other. But um, I was like, oh, maybe I'm going to like say like, hey, guys, I'm listening to you in Huntington Beach. And so you kept saying, like, you know, give us a review. So I'm like, okay, I did. You're the first review I ever gave anyone. But anyway. Wow. Yay.
1: So it's like we've come full circle, right?
2: We have. Isn't that crazy? That's so crazy. I love it. It's cool, though. I mean, you guys are across the country. I'm in Huntington Beach and you're in South Florida, Florida. We've never met before. And here we are, you know, totally sharing stories and strategies and really interesting things about math. And we have the same problems and we have the same successes we've learned over the last um, couple months. Interesting.
0: It's yes. Awesome. And it's, it's funny that you say that we haven't met, we haven't met, but it doesn't feel like we haven't met. Right. right? Like it feels like we've known you for years. It really does. It
1: does. Yes. Even though we, we, we have met virtually. Right. Right. Yes. Thanks yeah, to Google meets. Clubs.
2: Uh-huh. <laughs> Thanks to um, building, building, thinking classrooms. Thank you to Peter Lulidol for that. That's, that's just, right. Yeah, that's kind of how we did that. But I literally can hear your voice in my head sometimes because I've listened to all 58 of the other podcasts.
1: Wow. (laughs) Well, thank you. Mm -hmm. Yes. You're awesome.
2: But it's good information. It's not, I mean, it's, it's good information. It keeps me current. It keeps me excited. I literally do things that, you know, like I'm like nodding my head all the time while, while you're talking. I'm like, yes, yes, I get this. And now I'm going to try this. So really you have honestly, not just You've really helped my me and my students.
1: Oh, you're welcome. Yes.
2: <laughs> Thank you for saying that.
1: All right. So tell the listeners about yourself.
2: All right. Okay. So I've taught a long time. Um, I think this is my 28th year. Woo! I have been in lot, yeah, lots of different grades. I started upper grade for several years in like fourth grade. And then I taught third grade for like seven years. And so I was in those middle grades and really I have, I have four children. So I took some time, um, not off, but I took, I was part-time for several years. So I didn't have a regular classroom and I was our title one teacher. So anyway, when I bat- went back full-time was in 2004 and the class that was open in my school was kindergarten. And I was like, oh, dang. Okay. I'll try it. And it was honestly really scary. I have a really funny story about what I did to them one day, but anyway, that's, that's for a different time. But anyway, let me teach kindergarten. And I really didn't know what I was doing, but I embraced it. And it took a while though, to get, to get really feeling about it because I mean, upper grade, like you don't know what you don't know in kindergarten. Like, oh, they need to learn to count and right. they, and why do they need to learn to count and it took a long time really years for me to um, get good at that so sometime around I don't know 2014 ish I think I went to get my I went, went to get my master's and I got it in math and reading like a dual math and reading master's so I couldn't make up my mind because I like them both and so <laughs> um, it was around the time after common core was like coming out and people I remember going to the first pds and like it was blowing people's minds. And and I was like, oh, this is cool. You know, like I liked it right from the beginning. I was like, yeah, this is the kind of stuff I like about math. And so I learned a little bit about it. And then I started my master's and my classes, actually one of my classes had the draft of the people who actually wrote a lot of the standards. I had their drafts and especially the drafts about all the problem types. And I was fascinated with that. And I remember, you know, I think that's really what got it, got me in, into really liking that. And then I'm like, oh, there's this thing called CGI. Let me go buy this book. And I bought my first book on Amazon, and I think it had a CD in it or something. Yes, it did. And, yeah. And so I, I read the book, and I was like, this is fabulous. This is what how I'm going to do my master's. I'm going to do my inquiry project on these kind of on these kind of problems, and I'm going to find out about how kids count on their fingers. So that was started my, my journey. And then my district didn't have a, I I can't, I honestly can't remember what our, our publisher was then. Let's tell you something. Anyway, I don't remember what it was. And uh, I started just going, I have a lot to do in math and I really don't have time for that math book. That's kind of how it began. And yes. so a t- another friend of mine, she was kind of in the same boat and, and she taught first grade. She found this curriculum called Engage in y, And I think it was right after it was written. Mm-hmm. And I was like, okay, let's try it. And like, we printed the whole thing, like, we, <laughs> like, like seriously. But it was so much better than anything I had ever seen. They took the standards and they wrote them in these lessons and they were scripted. And I wasn't afraid of something that was scripted because I was like, I can make it like I can make it my own or I could use it or whatever. But what it had is it taught me about fluency and it taught me about all the the beginnings of And this is when I was still in kindergarten, all the beginnings of part, part, whole and what a number bond was. And like, you know, I've tweaked things since then, but it really was a very good education for me. So I'm really grateful to engage in why for that. And then I, I really don't use it anymore. Um, I, I don't, I don't actually need to, and I don't really want to use those worksheety things. I, I don't use them, but every once in a while I'll go back and like, I'll glance at it and look at those modules and kind of, kind of keep me in check because I did use them for like probably two or maybe three years. Then I just kept going. I just kept going with my research. I finished my master's and I'm like, Oh, I really like being on the computer and looking up all the stuff. So (laughs) I did, and um, I found, you know, number talks. And then I found, oh, wait, 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 hold on. The Five Practices of Orchestrating Math, that book was one of my books in my course, one of my courses. And so I was fascinated with that, and I put that into practice. And, you know, still, I'm still trying to get it right. But I mean, I, I I do use that. I just started looking things up, and I found Berkeley Everett and Steve Wyborny, and I found, and I think I've only found those in the last maybe four or five years, I found Counting Collections. I have a very, very close, dear friend of mine who was my teaching partner, um, when we did K, and she moved districts, very sadly. And she, she and I still do like phone call PD, like, you know, at least once every couple of weeks. And we just resonate with each other right away. Cause we taught together. She is a, a crazy, awesome teacher. So, um, it's really nice for me to bump things back and forth with her. So I have, I have like my person with that. So Yep. Yep. Can I say her name? Of course, give her a Thank shout you. out. That's that's Michelle. Thanks, Michelle.
1: <laughs> okay, so tell us a little more about when you finished with the engage and why, and then you started, you know, thinking more about going off the textbook rails and into mm-hmm. hands-on, concrete, representational, abstract, all of that kind of stuff.
2: Okay, so I think um, right around that time is when I started like collecting cool manipulatives. Okay. And I literally like, I have like, you know, a couple hundred bread tags. I mean, like things like that, like things that kids can count. And I have all these weird little bags, all these weird little compartments and stuff. And, and like, I have that stuff and I've used it always for my manipulatives because kids like counting interesting things. And I did this before counting collections, before I knew about what counting collections was. And then also um, that's when I learned about the wreck and wreck and, um, I had this dad in my class. Oh my gosh. This, I forgot about this. This dad in my class, he asked me like, what can I do for your classroom? And I was like, can you build me a hundred wreck and wreck? And he's like, what is that? And so I like <laughs> right. literally got pictures of it and stuff. And he goes, Hey, I go to this car. I go to this car show. And he explained this whole car show thing that when he, he was seeing these little red and white beads that they like used at car shows. And I'm like, it sounds good. And so he brought me this Wreck and Wreck. It's beautiful. It is a 100 Wreck and Wreck. It's wooden. It's fabulous. And I use it constantly. So it's like my favorite. It's like, it's so big. It's like, literally, it's like probably four feet tall or maybe. Wow. Fabulous. Yeah. I started collecting cool manipulatives and then I got, you know, I got air rods and I just got all kinds of stuff. And I was just, every lesson that I, that I would find that was interesting, I wanted to have things in kids' hands. And then I started hearing about CRA and I'm like, oh, this is what I'm doing actually. I'm doing CRA. There's somebody else that I learned from in the very beginning is her name is um, Mary Barada Lorton. She wrote, a series not a series I guess it's just a te- uh, I don't know a teacher book called Math their way and I literally found it in my kindergarten class like the teachers that retired like before me like left stuff there and I'm like oh what's this and I open it up and i re- it was like all these awesome black and white pictures with the big glasses and everything she's great <laughs> and she has photos those of she has photos of kids actually doing math. So I like it was, it's so interesting. If you guys haven't seen it, honestly, you can't. You you. It's free. It's now free online. You just can find Math Their Way and all of the. Um, I think it's by chapter. You can open each chapter. You can print it out. They have black line masters. Mm-hmm. She's different than anybody else that at that time, and right. so she was she was like Common Core in the seventies.
1: We we and will that, definitely put that in the yeah, show notes. It's
2: really cool. So every anybody who's a TK or a, um, I don't know. If what you call it in Florida. in Florida? TK transitional kindergarten.
1: What do you guys like, call pre-K? it? Pre-K.
2: Yeah, I I have the book. I have like one. It's literally torn apart. It's complete. It's in a file because it's all in pieces. And stuff. <laughs> mm-hmm.
1: When you say black line masters, it always reminds me of really? overhead transparencies or the ditto. Yes, <laughs> with the yep. crank
2: the crank i i did the crank that's that's how that dates us for sure yeah i
0: don't know what the crank is i don't know i'm not gonna lie to you oh
2: my god (laughs) her her chapters are fabulous and they the the kids create the math and it's it's really good so anyway so all those things i can't remember how it all completely came together just i'm just on this journey all the time it's just like a never-ending journey Mm
0: -hmm. Well, we feel the same. We are on the the same journey Mm -hmm. uh, because we're constantly learning and constantly tweaking. I think something that might be nerve-wracking for some teachers, if they hear, you know, get rid of the textbook and just teach what you need to teach, I think some teachers would be afraid of not covering everything. Correct. So how do you you make sure that you cover the entire curriculum or the the entire, all the standards that you need to cover for that grade level?
2: So I think it's because I know the standards. It's because that is actually what I go to. So it's not that I was like so opposed to a, to a curriculum. I'm really not. It's just like the curriculum got in the way of what I was doing. That's kind of what happened. If, if my point is actually to create little thinkers in my class that are inquiring about math and making the math, the textbook is the opposite of that it makes them just answer problems and fill in fill in things and there's no thinking and most of those most of the the lessons are teacher-led and i yes. really try to get out of the way so i try to be a facilitator so if i'm being a facilitator then i don't need a textbook i need yeah. a good project but my daily plans are usually like i do some i do some fluency Mm -hmm. So also you need to know that I went from kindergarten to first grade last year. So I'm this only my second year as a first grade teacher. Okay. You looped with your class. Yes. I looped with my, my class, the first COVID year to the second COVID year, which was fabulous because my class was rad. I loved this class and they loved math. It was really cool that I got to do that.
1: So is this a new group?
2: This is a new group. Okay. Yeah. So this is my new first grade where I didn't have them in kindergarten. You know, like the first year I knew that class really well and it just kind of flowed to the next year. So there's a big jump from kindergarten math standards to first grade math standards. Um, There's just literally more of them. And, but it's cool because like, you know, they know things like they, they, it's, it's really, it's different be doing a a beginning first grader than a beginning kindergartner. I found that my class, my class this year was really kind of very unusual, very even, um, in, in math. There was a lot of good, they had, they had a lot of background and I can see, I know I see they all always have holes. Of course there were holes, but they were really even. So I didn't, I've never felt like this year I had to like really group them apart And so I really haven't done that. So most of my math this year has been whole group. I've done a couple of uh, differentiated lessons, but not that many. Anyway, that's a side note. So I use those problem types. Those guide me because... If you're really sticking to those problem types, other math comes out of them. So the strategies and the thinking come out of those math problems. So the fluency are, you know, I know what I need to do. They have to know facts under 10. They have to know, I can't quote it, but they have to know 10 and some more. Right. Like, so, so like like 10 plus 1 is 11, uh, right. 10 plus 9 is 19. Right. Um, they have to be able to add by 10s and to any numbers, so like 54 plus 10 is 64, plus 10 is 74. Right. Um, so with all of that, Counting Collections just fits right in there. Counting Collections right. is actually doing all of that. It's exactly what Counting Collections, you're experiencing Counting Collections is doing all of that. So counting the Counting Collections book has really driven a lot of my, my time in my class also for the last few years. I think I don't, I think I got this book three years ago from my, my friend, Michelle. She's the one that turned me on to it, I believe. And the coral counts and how those, those are like married. Like when you're doing counting collections and you're watching kids and you see what they're stumbling on, that's where you're doing coral count on the next day. So a lot of kids, this is a very common misconception is when they're, they're unitizing and they're putting things in groups of 10 and then their last group doesn't have 10. They don't know what to do. Mm. Okay, Mm. it's very common. So they'll have 87, let's say, and they'll go 10, 20, 30, 40, 50, 60, 70, 80. And I can see what they're doing. They're pointing to it. They they really are not just saying it, but they're actually counting by 10s. But then they get to that last one and they don't know what to do. And so they'll say a lot of times they'll say 90 or they just stop. Right. And so going from 10s to ones is using counting collections as the vehicle to get good at that is what makes sense not, not your curriculum and your textbook. Like, you know what I mean? They're doing the work because they're with a partner. They're talking about it. They have things to count and they literally, they'll just naturally sort of argue with each other. Well, that's 90. No, it's not 90. There's not a 10 there. And they actually do it themselves, you know? And then if they don't do it, then if I'm overhearing it, I'm doing those, I'm using the five practices framework to Figure out who is going to share at the end and what kind of misconceptions that I see up to maybe another group who is that's not a misconception for them anymore. So I try to sequence those things together at the end of the lesson, you know.
1: And you just gave me a spark of and maybe you do this, but. With the intermediate classes, this is not something that would come to my mind, but since you talked about with that, you know, like 87, could you have them start counting at seven and then say 17, 27, 37, 47?
2: Are you saying actually with the objects?
1: No, but instead of them counting by tens, 10, 20, all the way up to 80, and then what do we do with those seven extra?
2: Oh, could I they ever start think.
1: with a seven? Start with seven. Oh and yeah, then, that's cool. I haven't tried that. Okay. Oh, good. Try that and let me know <laughs>
2: what and happens. Then, and that. then that leads into the coral count. That's how you mm-hmm. should do the coral count then. Yeah. You start with seven and then go seven because that's exactly what the standard says. That's right. brilliant. Yeah. All, that's awesome. Well, I'm do thank that. you. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Interesting. What happens when they get to be with my class last year, when they got to bigger numbers in counting collections, I remember the specific group. Oh my gosh. They had something like 200 something or, or maybe 180 something. It was, like, it was way over a hundred and they, they had decided in cor- and in counting collections, you actually, the kids make all the decisions. You don't tell them what to count by or how to count or anything. So mm-hmm. in this particular session with these two, we these two girls, they each kind of split the pot and then they, some, one of them counted some and one of them counted the other. And then they tried to add them together <gasps> and it was fabulous because you had like two, two first graders adding, and I'm going to, I kind of remember it. It was like, it was like 91 and like, let's say 87. It was something like that. They're trying to do it. And then one of the girls is like taking over. Well, wait, let's just put all the tens together. Let's just keep going. And we'll just go all the tens and then we'll add the ones together. And I'm like, yes, like that's, (laughs) yes, that's it. That's exactly what I, I would want them to do if I could, you know, script it but I couldn't script it. I had to let it happen. And so then I I was lucky to overhear that. And then at the end, you know, then I try to pull them in the middle and say, okay, I saw you guys. I saw you had 87 and 91. Can you tell me how you figured out how much you had at the end? And then they'll, they will show the group how they did it.
1: And are you recording this as far as with numbers?
2: No, no, I just watch, they just sit in the middle of the rug and show everybody. I mean, could I? Oh, like could I scribe it, you mean? Yes. Um, Yes. I think, think as a matter of fact, now that I remember, I think I scribed it with them sitting there, but I don't think I did it to the whole class. But yeah,
1: that would make sense.
2: But I would only write it horizontally. I would not write it vertically.
1: Right. Yeah. We do not need to teach standard algorithm for double digit addition in first grade. (laughs) Right.
2: Cause the decomposing was naturally happening yes, with, right. with the, with the way they counted it because they did use, I think they used 10 frames. Sometimes they use bowls or cups or whatever, but they were doing that. So then she pulled out the tens and put the ones together. And you know, it was like backwards, like, like she did it herself. How do you explain that? Think about a lesson, a traditional lesson of doing place value and how you can't get to the point that that girl got to, you
1: know, because you're
2: pushing it on them. Does yes. that make sense? Yes. Yes. And so she thought of it herself because of the situation. Yes.
1: I I just want to tell you, I saw this quote from this person, Katie Grunau, and she, it must have been Howie Waugh said this because she, it looks like she quoted him and this was Two weeks ago, it said, the purpose of being a math teacher is to bring out the mathematician in our students, not show off what we know. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's, you said right. everything to the that right. exact quote. Oh, you know, we, nice. we have to get out of the way and let the kids yeah. learn.
2: Yeah. Yes. But you know what? It takes, is not easy to do that. And there's, I'm going to tell you, I don't do that every single moment, really. Right. I, I try to. I know that I want to get there every single moment, but you know what it's like. Sometimes you're just like, oh, just, just do it this way. It's so much easier.
0: <laughs> well, and <laughs> not just that, but I I find that sometimes it's just I get so excited into it too, right? Mm-hmm. Like I'm I'm watching their own journey, and I'm like, oh, but try this. Like, look how cool this is, uh-huh. right? But that that's we have to stop doing that. We have to pull ourselves out and and let them truly discover it. Yep. Okay. So the, the big question I think is how do we encourage other teachers and, and just teachers in general to let go of the textbook safety blanket and, and just, and just teach? Like, how do we do that?
2: Well, the first thing that just came to mind is, um, we have to see each other. Okay. So we're all in our little, our own little compartmentalized classrooms. And if I were watching people doing this, then I would be inspired. Right. Right. And so, but we don't do that because that it all comes back to time and money all the time, you know, and we are a place I'm at. We don't have, we don't have math coaches and we don't have literacy coaches, which has to do with money. So, so we don't get to, we're always talking about things in the hallway We actually don't see each other teach. And so honestly, if, if schools would just allow that to happen, we always, somebody said this a million years ago, wasn't me? Like the answers are in the room or the answers are in the school building. They really are. There's so much awesome stuff going on in my school building that I don't see. Yep. (laughs) Yeah. You know, and, and if we, we, we've talked about lots of the three of us, we've talked about lots of things that um, are misnomers and things that people are doing just because they don't know what else to do. But if, if we were able to be around each other more often and not even like, like, like more naturally, you know what I mean? Not just like, Mm -hmm. come watch this lesson and and I've got it all planned out, you know, not like that so much, but, but really could just
0: browse the real life day to day day teaching stuff. Yeah.
2: I wish I knew my own, my own teachers better and they have lots to offer and I don't get to see it, you know?
1: I I think the other big thing is planning. And when I say planning, Karina, how many times have we been together at, you know, one of our dining room tables or at a restaurant literally with base 10 blocks and we are doing the math to figure it out? Mm -hmm. Yes. Right? So you have
2: to do that. That's the anticipating in the five practices. You literally have to figure things out yourself first so you know what the misconceptions are going to be.
1: Yes, right. and and I think Chris even deeper. It's so that the teachers really learn and understand mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. the math that they're going right. to be teaching, not just you know the strategy for this and the strategy, but really truly learning the math.
2: Right, and the only way way to do it is by doing it just like we want our kids to do. Yeah, the same yeah. thing. I mean, we're we're cut. You know, this is by no fault of of our own, but but go survey the whole country and elementary school teachers are liberal arts teachers. They're more reading language arts teachers. Not most, not many of us are math. I was not like that. This was, I was what, I taught 20 years before I, before I got all excited about math. I mean, that's kind of sad. (laughs) So like, I'm sorry to all those other
1: students I had for 20 years. (laughs)
2: Oh. I, gave them, I was giving them time test. I wish I could take it back. I'm we so sorry. all have
1: been there. We've all been. There. I remember <laughs> skipping lessons in. Oh, my gosh. This was when I was teaching second grade. I'm like, why do they need to know doubles plus one? Why do they need to know make a 10? Like none of that made sense yeah. to me. But now, oh, you know, I've seen right. the light.
2: Right. Yeah. <laughs> Oh my gosh. You just made me think of something. A couple, uh, it was two years ago, was that class I looped when they were kindergartners. Oh my God, they were so funny. It was such a cool class. And we had this lesson and just, I just sort of listened to them one day and they all counted differently. So I recorded how they counted, like what they literally did, like Uh with the objects. Some people have had to move things. Some people picked them up and put them in the, or, or took them out of the bowl and like this. Some people dumped them and just went one, two, three, four. Like, and I'm like, there's like three or four different ways that they're doing this right now. Some people sorted them. So we made this whole anchor chart about how do you actually count? And we called it like move and count, touch each one, sort and count. And I made like a whole like chart on it. And so everybody was just starting to be aware of how they counted. You know what yes. I mean? You ever watch a little kid just see a bowl of, you know, whatever. goldfish,
1: you know. Or, fish, yeah.
2: And they start counting like this. Right. Just, uh, yeah. You know, and you're, you're like, how are you going to know when you're done? Right. You know, they're right. Not. Like, <laughs> put, right, right. So then we charted this whole idea. And then then people who my students who were not super capable of counting in the beginning, I would say, you know, can you try to sort them first or can you try to move them? And I had this, anyway, I, I remember that counting is interesting. Yeah.
1: Mm-hmm. Chris, you talked about your structure and routine. You started with fluency. What comes next?
2: So then the meat of the lesson, the, the heart is, is some kind of a concept that we are working on. And, um, currently we're working on like partners of 10, So, um, this week I would have done several math stories that the numbers in them were partners of 10. So I would have done like a, like a join change unknown with like a six, a four and a 10. Right. Oh, then I did my task. Today I did the task. So with the building thinking classrooms, so I use, I, I'm doing most of the parts, I think, um, you know, first grade. So I've got white books up. And so my classes use the vertical non-permanent surfaces, which my class now really looks forward to mm-hmm. i use the random groupings which mm-hmm. i love more than anything because there's no arguing about partners Yes. Fabulous. i use okay so then i taught a, a really short lesson on a par, on a pocket chart i wanted to teach fact families so I kind, of, I kind of resist teaching fact families, but I, I, I kind of went in the back door. So it, was, it worked out okay. I used three numbers that weren't partners of 10. For the example, I use um, simple ones. I used a one, a six, and a seven on my pocket chart. And I stuck it on my pocket chart. And I'm like, okay, how are those numbers related? So it was just open-ended question. And so they to think about it. And it's like, oh, yeah. finally somebody goes, oh, six plus one is seven. So I had my, so we built six plus one is seven on my pocket chart. And I had the next next set. I still have a six, a seven, and a one. So there another equation that you can make? And so they got the two addition equations pretty easily. It took probably three or four minutes to do that. This is all whole group. Mm-hmm. And then I had, then I said, well, look, oh. I have a little minus card here. You think a like something in subtraction would relate to these addition sentences? And then somebody comes up with seven minus one is six, equals six. We lay that out on our pocket chart. And then the last one, it was fabulous. I wish I would have recorded it. So many people were almost there. They would come up and they would move the numbers around and, and they couldn't figure out how to get the last missing equation. And they didn't know what, even what they were shooting for. All I said is, you know, another equation. They weren't even shooting for anything. I, I wasn't really giving them much of a parameter at the beginning. Mm-hmm. Anyway, they were doing things like one minus seven equals six. Right. And so we were trying to figure out, did that make sense? Is that a true sentence? And I've done like true and false. Anyway, it took a good, probably a good 10 minutes and a five or Five or six students to come up, and finally we discovered that seven minus six equals one. So then we looked at the patterns, and what did you notice in these four equations? And then I said, okay, since we've been working on partners of ten, and we've been playing games during the week, we've been playing ten fish, which is from um, Yep Jennifer Bay Williams' book. That one, what's it called? Math fluency. Um, so it's just go fish with um, ten, and we've been playing that. We played it with our steam buddies, which was fabulous or their fourth grade buddies they came in and played with us so that was went really smoothly we're doing the fluency lessons on these partners of 10 and so then I gave them the task and I know like Lilya Doll says like when you start you gotta hurry up and get them there right yes. like you, you pr- propose this and like I feel that in the moment like stop talking Chris stop talking and just give them right. a task and so okay I'm, okay you're gonna get a partner and I put, held up three playing cards a 10 and and two other cards And I said, I'm going to give you three cards and you only are allowed to use these three cards. That's it. And so you're going to have to see, can you write four different equations for them? And oh my gosh, it was so good. It really was good. There was so much discourse. There was, I got to monitor. I didn't teach anything. I didn't tell anybody to do anything. They figured it out themselves. And out of my... 12 pairs of students. I'm going to say on the first try about, I'm going to say about a third of them were, were able to get in the, about the 15 minutes we worked on it, about the four questions, but everybody else was right there really close. So I took pictures of everything because that's going to be my math talk on Monday. I have a video of, of a couple of girls having some uh, discourse about it. So I'm going to use that in a slide deck to show them what other people are talking about because you know, the stamina of first graders are, you know, not that awesome. So right. <laughs> we couldn't go much longer than that. But anyway, it ended up being being a really good lesson. There was a lot of thinking going on. And I think that was sort of illustrative math is
1: where I got that. I didn't make that up. Okay. Sort of, and so you have your fluency, your concept, your task. Do you do a wrap up? And games. I try to, but
2: sometimes it takes two days to do that. So all those games that are um, either the 10 fish, I've been playing bingo. I've played Diffie Dozen. I've played Dottie Six. But they, I try to figure out the game that actually goes with the concept. So right, right now right. we've been playing co- the concentration games or the the fish games with with the partners of 10.
1: Yeah. Chris, I have so enjoyed listening to you and coming up with all these great ideas. Seriously. Thank, yes. Thank you so much for spending your time, your Friday night with us. <laughs> <laughs> what does that say about me?
2: <laughs>
0: <laughs> Wait a minute.
1: What does that say about all of us? Exactly. <laughs> We're on the same boat. <laughs> Listeners, your challenge this week is to push your textbook aside And try to plan ahead to do one day's worth of time for your math lesson without using the textbook. Thanks for joining us. We'd love for you to subscribe to our podcast and give us a five-star review on your favorite podcasting platform. We invite you to join the conversation on Twitter by using the hashtag learningthroughmath. We'd love to hear your feedback. Make sure to tag us at
0: Laura and Karina. It's always a pleasure to talk to you. To you too.